when I first started, there was no air ride, there was no air conditioning, <laughs> there was no power steering. It, it was it was tough. You knew you had worked all day. Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. I'm Philip Adams, and this is episode 10 of Terminal Exchange. We've got a few different segments for you this week, uh, not the least of which includes our feature exchange with veteran driver and newsbound performance coach Jeff King. But first, we're going to spotlight a particular initiative of the newsbound sales team. Uh, a couple years ago, we adopted a process by Franklin Covey known as the Four Disciplines of Execution, or 40X. We've implemented the uh, 40X process across all the departments of our non-driving personnel, and have broken up into teams to work towards a common goal set by NewsBomb leadership. This is referred to as our WIG, or our wildly important goal. I'm going to save the details of this uh, effective process for another episode, but in the meantime, we'll be talking to these teams to learn what they are working on and reveal some of their challenges and successes. So representing the sales team today, I've got Josh Strading joining me to tell us about their WIG. So Josh... Tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing. So our, <clears throat> excuse me, our wildly important goal uh, for this wig is to uh, resolve 10 bad lanes. Um, so a bad lane, uh, just to explain what that is, is when a driver completes a load assignment, they have the option um, on their people net to rate a load, either good or bad. Mm-hmm. And then with that, they're able to um, just give a, a little bit of more information they can expand on that and provide detail of what made that load bad. Some right. guys will put bad consignee, bad shipper, uh, bad mm-hmm. lot, bad docks, things like that. And, and that information is helpful for us um, to determine whether uh, this is a lane that is suitable for our drivers, um, mainly just to, to eliminate driver frustration. Yeah. Um, so we are using that information um, once we, we get that a report daily. Uh, when we get that report, we'll reach out to drivers uh, when we see a bad response and just get some feedback from them, see, you know, operationally what's what's challenging about mm-hmm. this. And what's good about that is we can use that information and go back to our customers <clears throat> and see if there's anything that we could do to resolve that. Mm-hmm. So our, our goal is to resolve 10 lanes. And for us to get to that, we also need to follow up um, on a certain amount of loads to kind of create a funnel Okay. Um, for, for that, so um, resolving ten lanes um, is is our goal, but we're also we want to follow up on 120 bad lane. Uh, the feedback. The feedback, sort of say. Yeah. So um, our goal is if if what we're thinking is if if we can follow up on 120, we should narrow that down into resolving ten lanes. Okay. What does a um a bad lane kind of end up looking like and i'm sure there's some variation there for sure but what, what, what might be an example of a bad lane as far as the way we're defining it here uh, you know good question um you know <clears throat> it, it sometimes it can be challenging because we'll have a lane that gets rated you know bad once and out of the other hundred times it's a good load yeah so you kind of have to 
review it a little bit more than to, to make an assumption if it's a bad lane. But when we start seeing bad response time and time again on a particular lane, that's when we have to, you know, kind of group together and see if this is going to be something we need to address with the customer. What are some of the um, responses that kind of come out consistently that tell us that this this lane may be bad or there's an issue here? Is it uh, time sitting there at a shipper? What kind of things are we looking at? Yeah, that's uh, usually majority of the time is, is uh, sitting at the shipper getting loaded or sitting at a consignee getting unloaded. Um, anything where it's going to... Um, uh, create downtime for our drivers is, yeah. is what we want to eliminate too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, usually that's most common response is um, unload and load times. Yeah. So without getting into any specifics, um, what kind of progress have we made so far? Uh, so far, we followed up on 58 bad uh, bad feedback loads. Okay. Um, and we have so far resolved three lanes. So Excellent. We are ahead of progress for where we're currently at. And, and really, the, the, the kind of uh, foundation for even making this happen comes from the ability for drivers to give feedback at the end of a load. So as they're finishing out their load assignment, they put in there, rate the load good, bad, and give any comments in there. And if I'm remembering right, um, that whole tool, that initiative, even came out of a previous uh, 40X initiative uh, from a previous round that we've, we've done. So... Um, any encouragement uh, that you might give to drivers as far as that feedback that they're giving in there to to know that what they're uh, providing you mm-hmm. is actually being used? Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing is knowing that, you know, um, what they're um, submitting basically or putting down, you know, it is being seen. People are looking at it and we are taking that information and hopefully making the best decision as far as if we want to continue a lane. Um, I mean, that's the ultimate end goal is just keeping driver satisfaction at, at a high level. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes what's challenging when we're looking at lanes to bid, we don't know operationally how they're going to perform. Um, all right. we're given is origin and destination. Right. We don't know, you know, the ins and outs of all that. So this feedback really helps us provide that data that we need to, mm-hmm. you know, moving forward to... to it, on a side kind of tangent with that is... So it may not be part of your your wig um, to resolve loads, but I, I assume that we're also looking at the lanes that are getting overwhelmingly good feedback and doing what we can to maybe grow with with those as well. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a good point. Um, so you know, Tyler, he's part of our sales team. He actually developed a program that is is keeping track of all this all the data that's coming in. So, I mean, we have percentages. I mean, really, it's about 97% of our lanes are, are rating good. So we Which have a very, awesome. yeah, so we have a really small percentages that are bad, but when, those are the ones that sometimes can be very frustrating for a driver, sure. especially if they continue to get that same load over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we want to eliminate. Yeah, excellent. Josh, thanks for uh, sharing what your team's doing, and uh, we appreciate that, and we're looking forward to, to hearing more successes from your team. So we'll be spotlighting a new team every couple of weeks. Uh, So be sure to check in regularly here at Terminal Exchange to hear the latest in current team efforts happening here at Deucebomb. A few weeks ago in Episode 7, we introduced our three new driver performance coaches. These are three current drivers that will be spending a couple of days in the office each month working with our uh, other drivers to assist in training and development efforts. 
we labeled these three coaches as the veteran, the counselor, and the prodigy. And this week, we hear from the veteran, Jeff King. Jeff has a lot of experience in the industry, both as a driver and as an instructor. He has a passion for teaching and helping other drivers be the best they can be. Get to know more about Jeff and his passion for training during this quick 25-minute exchange. Then rejoin me at the end as I follow up with some additional thoughts and a challenge for the trucking industry. Here's Newspawn Performance Coach, the veteran, Jeff King. Jeff, I'm so glad you're able to sit down here with me and, and talk. I know, I know you weren't too stoked about doing this, but uh, I appreciate you being here. Pleasure. So. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> you say that with a nice grin, so I appreciate that. But, uh, Jeff, let's uh, uh, reintroduce you here real quick. We met you a couple weeks ago, and um, uh, as we introduced performance coaches along with uh, Maya and uh, Mike, um, so we kind of talked about that position of, of being a performance coach, But and uh, we talked to you just a little bit, got to know a little bit of your experience uh, doing uh, trucking schools and, and the such, and that you've been as we said, around the block a little bit, <laughs> a little tongue-in-cheek. Yes. <laughs> but um, let's go back then and tell me just a little bit how you even got into trucking to begin with. Pretty much I, I wanted a job where there wasn't somebody looking over my shoulder. And this, I had just come home from the service, didn't really know what I wanted to do and kind of kind of backed into it per se. And um I've gotten out of the business a couple of times to try other things, but I always end up back here. I, I've owned a bowling alley and ran it for several years, and then I, I actually tried to do that and truck at the same time. doesn't work. <laughs> um, I, I've done other uh, home-based businesses uh, with my wife, you know, doing okay. antiquing and things like that. And I still do a little bit of that on the side on weekends, but this is... This is what I really enjoy. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, I want to kind of stick on that for just a little bit. And the idea of even having a little bit of, uh, some people call it side hustle or you know, side business, just something a little bit out uh, that you do outside of trucking or your normal job, um, whether it be for just some extra income or because you just kind of enjoy it. Is, is the antiquing thing, is that something that you enjoy? Is that more your wife? <laughs> it's a combination thereof. I, um, we both really enjoy going to different auctions um, and restoring the things and, and bringing back their original okay. beauty and repurposing, passing them on to somebody else. Okay. I've I've actually got two storage units full of antiques right now. Uh -huh. so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm hoping my grandma's not listening to this podcast because she'll be finding out where that storage unit is <laughs> awesome if i could empty it out that'd be great <laughs> but well that's neat uh you know the you, there's something else you know a bit of a, a hobby and, and enjoyment that you have outside uh, of doing the trucking thing is that something you spend a lot of time with on the weekends or in the summertime we we do more because there's more auctions and and the weather's a little better my, yeah. my wife has some issues and it's it's given us an opportunity to spend more time together and for me to practice my my teaching skills uh we we bought a trailer an enclosed trailer just for hauling antiques okay she'd never backed a trailer in her life so we took a <laughs> weekend and taught her how to back so 
<laughs> really, really work on those skills, uh, yeah. your teaching skills. Yes, and patience. <laughs> patience, <laughs> absolutely. Well, that sounds like fun. So I'm curious, how, how has that even gone specifically? Great. Um, she now understands more what I deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um I mean, she still pokes fun at me when I do stupid things in the truck, but okay. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's uh, that's interesting. I'm, I know my wife in particular, we've talked about getting like a bigger van because we, you know, the kids and everything and have a little bit more space. And she's, she's a little bit um, hesitant on the idea of getting a full-size van and having a bigger vehicle to drive and, and all that. So uh, definitely interesting to kind of well, get somebody on board with. My, my wife actually had a big SUV. Okay. She traded it for Lincoln MKS. She <laughs> kept it for about a year and decided she sat too close to the ground. She now has a Dodge pickup uh-huh. and loves it. So, Hey, I, I'm with her on that. I mean, the, the, the idea of being up and... Uh, You'll see a lot of truck drivers that drive a pickup truck outside because, yeah, getting down that low. Is, yeah. Although I, I know we had one that had, I forget what it's called, is the Polaris vehicle, the little spider thing or whatever with mm-hmm. the open wheel. That's it. You're right down there. <laughs> really cool, but <laughs> very different from being in the truck. Definitely a toy. But um, I I want to ask just a little bit because I'm, I'm intrigued. Okay. You, you mentioned the bowling alley. And is, is bowling... A another hobby of yours is that? Are are you a two hundred plus bowler? Um, I, I used to be. <laughs> I, I don't have the the time for it. Um, I, I used to be a two fifteen average bowler. I, I bowled three nights a week. Uh, just haven't had the time, and I, and I I've done some damage to my shoulder, mm. and so it's just now it's more for fun. Yeah. Um, I, a friend of mine recently bought a bowling alley in Morton, and I've have been over there helping him get it set up cool. and running, just so I could be involved in it, but not be involved in it. Now, did you go towards uh, owning the bowling alley uh, because of your affinity to bowling, or just kind of being your own boss, running a business? I've I've always enjoyed bowling. I, I hate to admit this because this doesn't sound good, but I used to skip high school to go bowling. <laughs> Most guys skip to go to parties. No, I skip to go bowling. <laughs> go figure. Hey, everybody's got their thing, so yeah. <laughs> neat. Um, but coming back then to trucking, you know, again, you're still kind of taking ownership of, of your day-to-day responsibilities. You don't have, you know, someone truly looking over your shoulder, being right there with you. Yes, we have uh, coaching, and you are now a performance <laughs> coach. Uh, so, you know, some would argue that, well, that's looking over my shoulder. But And, and to an extent, yeah, there, there, there's some, some validity I, to that. But it's it's not the same, though. I, I don't look at it as looking over somebody's shoulder. I'm, I'm trying to help them reach their potential. I'm giving them information, some some hopefully helpful hints. Mm-hmm. What they do with it is entirely up to them. Um, we're not trying to force anybody to conform to any particular style. Just show them a way to increase their scores, which in the long term increases their paycheck mm-hmm. and makes them a safer, more compliant driver. Yeah. Yeah. So from coming into this role as a performance coach, um, what is your plan in coaching drivers 
to make sure that they don't feel like you're slapping them on the wrist, telling them what they're doing wrong, but being a, a help to them. I, I'm honest with them right up front. I, you know, this is not a, a call because you did something wrong. We're just trying to help you reach your potential. And I've been in the industry for a long time. Most of the month, my real job is a driver. So I understand the same things you're going through. Yeah. And, and the reality is, in, in case anybody missed our performance coach introduction episode, you are throughout the month driving the truck, the same truck that these guys, yes. you know, and ladies are driving as well, uh, doing the same type of runs. And, you know, you're in a regular route. Uh, system driver, right? Right. You're not doing a dedicated. No. Um, but you're here in the office basically two days a month. Two days a month, yes. So that's a very, very, very small <laughs> portion. Right. And you've had, you've been a part of coaching calls in the past from on the other side as a recipient, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> Talk about being on that end <laughs> and, and how that even uh, feels. I'm going to relate to the to the other drivers listening here. Well, actually, um I never received calls when when I had done something wrong and I knew it. I would call Rick yeah. because I want to fix it. Um, I was very proactive about it. When I first came to Newsbomb, I had been an owner-operator for 18 years. I was used to go, go, go as fast as you can. It's the only way you make money. I had to change everything when I came here. So Rick and I spent quite a bit of time, um, and he helped me out with a lot of the different aspects of what I needed to do to bring my score up. I'm driving slower. I'm less stressed. And so, I mean, to me, it felt really good to have that support. And honestly, I wished I'd had it 30 years ago when I first started doing (laughs) this. (laughs) Because when I first got into it, they handed me a set of keys and said, go. I knew nothing about the truck. It was a total learning experience. Talk to me about the learning experience. <laughs> it was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I started out in 1957 auto car twin stick. I had never drove something with two sticks in it in uh-huh. my life. I ground a lot of gears and, and, <laughs> and said a lot of bad things trying to learn how to, you know. So I'm basically self-taught. Yeah. Um, I came home from the service and I went into trucking and it taught myself how to drive and I, I think in the long run, it's made me a better driver because I'm I'm more aware of where I came from, totally unprepared. And I like what Newsbomb does today because we're preparing the drivers for what they're going to run into, real-world situations. Mm-hmm. When you talked about coming in here to Newsbomb, you had to kind of change some, uh, <laughs> some, flaws, some thinking and habits and everything there. I think we can probably assume what some of those possibly are, but would you have considered yourself a a good, you know, safe driver, um, skilled driver uh, coming into Newsbomb before that? Um, in my mind, yeah. Was I truthfully? Probably not, um, because I did bend the rules to try to make things work. You don't have to do that here, you know. They want you to follow the rules. Um I was basically outlaw 101, whatever it took <laughs> to get the, the job done. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work today. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot more people on the road. Uh, the, the vehicles are more powerful. They're heavier. Um, and we just need to take our time and be safe with it. 
Have I ever had an accident? No. Luck. If I had it to do over again, I would not do it the way I did it. What would you have changed? I probably would have had more education, try to learn more about the business before I got into it. And instead of listening to the old guys out there on the road about how great it was, I maybe form my own opinion and take my <laughs> take my time. And um, I probably wouldn't have made as much money as I have, but I could look back and go, I, di- I didn't do anything bad, mm-hmm. you know, feel you better risking. about my career. Yeah. Yeah. Now you ran some, uh, was it more than one trucking school that you actually operated or? Yes. Okay. Um, I've been with four, four okay. different schools, um, about an eight year span, eight, nine year span where I actually got off the road and, and taught people how to get their CDLs. And that's where I really discovered that I like helping people. Um, hmm. it was, uh, that was one of the things where I, I needed to get off the road for some issues at home and the school just happened to be there and I applied for the job, never really expecting to get it. And they called me the next day and said, when can you start? And so that was a total learning process for me because now I have to learn how to teach people to drive. I know how to drive. Um, so that was that was. It was a huge experience for me, and then I discovered that watching people grow and achieve their goals is is fulfilling for me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the reason I got out of schools is because they're, they've turned them into puppy mills, and they're not preparing the students for what they need. Mm-hmm. I don't want my name associated with it. So I came back to trucking, and I've been training on the road uh, for a previous company and now for Newsbomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the neat things about our uh, training program that we have here. Now, we're not training to get your CDL. You already would come in here with your CDL, but you can come in with just that and no previous experience and get in a truck with an experienced driver, a trainer that will now help you move on and take the next step in your career and and be fully equipped moving forward. Um, What is, what was one of the, biggest challenges in transitioning from having the knowledge of how to drive and do this and sharing that then with with a complete newbie that has never done this? I don't know. It really wasn't that big of a stretch. I mean, it was just, I, I did take a class in adult education, so I understood mm-hmm. the difference between how an adult processes things and, and an adolescent does. And it helped me understand how to communicate, how to reach these different people. I mean, because uh, my students were from different walks of life. Uh, a lot of them didn't have two nickels to rub together, and, and this was their last shot. Mm-hmm. And and I get it, and I'm there for them. And I assume you even experienced the gamut of this person has no business doing this. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. To the, this is a natural. You probably, I assume you had some of that gamut yes. there. Yes. Um, I've had people that you, day three you're going, really? I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> you should maybe look at a different career. Um, and then I've had people that uh, I had a little girl. She was like just barely five foot tall. And I'm like, first day I saw her in class, I was like, she's not going to make it. She can't even reach the pedals. <laughs> she's still out here today. She's doing great. Awesome. Um, I've had 
I've taught airline pilots, doctors, lawyers. I don't know why they want to drive a truck, but they do. No. Well, so with that kind of that transition uh, for of professions, you know, whether they were a pilot, a doctor, a teacher, a uh, laborer, whatever, and, and coming into trucking for whatever reason, uh, you know, our economy is constantly shifting and, you know, jobs change and uh, but trucking has seemed to always be there. It'd be a constant need. Yes. Uh, goods need to be moved. <laughs> but have you been able to identify, is there any certain characteristics or um, attitudes, anything that kind of comes to the surface to say, this person makes it, this person is ready to do this and, and will transition well. Just, just the one that comes in with an open mind and asks questions. The, the guy that just sits in the corner quiet, he's probably not going to make it because he's really not invested in it. The people that are asking questions and when they make a mistake, they want to know how to fix it. Those are the ones that are going to survive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a constant need to continue learning. Yes. This industry is changed a lot since you started, right? Yes. And and not the least of which has been in just technology, but the you know, you've got new regulations and um now you, you you talked about having two sticks in a truck. Everything's automatic now. Yeah. It's very different. Good bad, what are your thoughts of of kind of where we've come to where we're at and maybe even headed? down the road with, even just in that technology spectrum and how the trucks operate? Uh, the, the new technology, it, it's, uh, it takes a lot of stress off the driver because the truck is actually doing more of the work for you. But, you, I mean, you still have to pay attention. Sure. But uh, it's not as stressful. I mean, drive through Chicago, rush hour traffic with an 18-speed, you're constantly on that clutch. At the end of the day, you are tired. You you know you have worked. Yeah. It's not so tough now with an automatic. It it allows us to not be as fatigued at the end of our day. So they've increased the number of hours that we can actually work, And but that's because the, the vehicles have changed that, that take away a lot of the stress. Well, I know even uh, Gary and Avis Atkins, when they were talking through some of the changes, that just the addition of air conditioning into the trucks made a huge difference (laughs) in in attitude. I mean, guys out here complaining that uh, something's not working. When I first started, there was no air ride. There was no air conditioning. (laughs) There was no power steering. It, it It was tough. You knew you had worked all day. At the end of the day now... Not so much. I mean, now contrast the the, the changes there, and you know, when we see comments even from uh, Facebook and from drivers across the industry here that you're not a real truck driver unless you're driving a stick and or have done this, that, and the other. What do you say to that? You know, I, I've drove stick for years and I'm driving an automatic now. And it's not about what equipment you're driving. It's the attitude and whether you're a professional about it or not. It has nothing to do with the equipment. I, I'm not a quote-unquote steering wheel holder. I am a professional driver. And I, on that note, and maybe I'm going to start ranting here, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, when you talk about 
trying to encourage younger drivers and coming in, you know, anybody coming into the industry here, it's really important that our veterans in the industry are doing what they can to help train up these guys, encourage them and not be putting them down. And, and, you know, talking about, you know, you know, sissifying the, the driving experience now, and you guys are just steering wheel holders. I think it's really important to have veterans like yourself to come in and encourage these drivers to be professional and continue to improve themselves in their work. And it's something I tell my students. I mean, whether they've been in the industry for 10 years or 10 minutes, take pride in everything you do. And whether it's parking a truck for the night, backing into a dock, dealing with a traffic situation, take pride and it'll show. And you'll you'll succeed. You'll you'll do better. Mm-hmm. How much of that mindset do you think comes from your military background? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Maybe a little, yeah. But which branch were you in, by the Army. way? Army. Army. And uh, how long did you serve there? Four years. In there, did you have any interaction with trucks? What were you doing there? I started out actually as a truck driver in the service, and, and the reason I went with truck driving is because I was basically lazy. I wanted the quickest school so I could go to work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just okay, fair honest. enough. <laughs> um, but then I, I discovered that I was also an adrenaline junkie, so I went, <laughs> I went airborne, but I was still truck qualified. I was, By the time I got out of the military, I had a military expert license. Anything with wheels or tracks, I was entitled to drive. But, uh, and I guess it just kind of stuck with me when I came home. In your time in the trucking industry here, uh, is there anything that sticks out to you as something that you will always carry with you? Um, you're never going to forget this instance. It might be something that you take back, carry with you as an anecdote or just a, a constant reminder for you. One thing that always sticks with me is I, uh, when I first got into the industry, I thought I was always right. And instead of slowing down and listening to people, I, I actually got thrown off of a dock one night. Um, so that did not set well with my company. And I've learned to pay attention and listen to what other people have to say because we're all one big family here and trying to help each other. Um not be so quick to judge. Mm-hmm. So today is your second day in the office here officially, you know, yes. doing your uh, <laughs> performance coaching. How's that been so far? Enjoyable. Um, for the most part, the drivers are pretty receptive because they understand that I am a driver myself. Um like I said, we're not trying to force anything on them. Just try to help them reach their potential. Uh, I, I've enjoyed it. I've, I've handled a lot of different calls, and uh, it's a, definitely a learning experience for me. I, I'm used to being in a truck where nobody's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> There's no distractions around here, is there? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so as you move forward in, in, in this position as a performance coach, what to you excites you most about helping others? Watching them grow, 
being able to check back in a month and see that their their numbers have come up, that maybe their attitude is has improved, whatever. Just see that they are striving to reach their goal. Watching them grow personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's 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 huge for me. How does the culture of a company make a difference in how you approach your job? Newsbomb is very driver friendly, um, which allows me to be more open with my concerns and and to hopefully reach my potential. Other companies I've worked for are, are pretty adversarial towards their drivers. They they look at drivers as a, a disposable commodity. Use them up, throw them away. We'll get another one. That's not the case here, and so it changes your mindset and it changes. I want to perform well, not just for me. But for news bomb, yeah, I, I I completely agree with that uh, statement. Then and I think we hear that so often as far as that whole idea of just being a disposable commodity in the industry, and it's sad to hear. You know, that's why I think, for one, we do what we're doing exactly right now, having this podcast exchange where it's public. We put this out for anybody to hear, and we we really do hope that some other trucking companies and others in the industry will latch hold of some of this this thought process that we're I'd like to see a lot there. of them start following our philosophy. The industry would be a whole lot better. And I'm not going to sit here and say that we've got it perfect and we got it completely figured out because we're not perfect at all. We you know, we definitely have our, our our moments and mistakes, but I think we we've we've learned something. We're doing something right. And most definitely, we, we hope that others will follow suit. That's why we try to position ourselves as a leader in the industry. I just wish I'd have come here years ago. I, I had the opportunity. I've lived in the area all this time mm-hmm. and always passed it up. And I, I'm sorry I didn't take advantage of the situation years ago. Well, you're here now. Yes. We're glad you're here now. <laughs> and I love it here. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you're around for a while. And, you know, we, we definitely appreciate having you here. Jeff, is there any other final thoughts that you'd like to share uh, before we wrap up? Just stay positive, you know, keep moving forward. We all make mistakes, but learn from them, move forward. Yeah, invaluable advice. Jeff, thanks so much for sitting down with me. Appreciate having you here and uh, look forward to seeing you around the office a little bit more here. All right, thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome, thanks. I feel like we are very fortunate at Newsbound to have drivers like Jeff who are patient and willing to train the next generation of drivers. Through our training program, we've heard so much great feedback about our on-road trainers. Our CFO, Bill Wettstein, even recently trained with some of our drivers to earn his CDL. And he just had absolutely glowing comments about each of the drivers that he worked with. And, And this is the sort of parental leadership we need more of in our industry. We need veteran drivers that support new and inexperienced drivers and will take time to teach them accordingly. We don't need more drivers standing to the side as a rookie spends half an hour struggling to back into a spot. We certainly don't need more video of rookie mistakes being spread through social media, only to be berated by the experienced drivers calling them steering wheel holders. Claiming that these young drivers wouldn't have even survived in the old days of trucking or or that the real truckers only drive manuals. This all is just absolute baloney. How about we try empathizing with these drivers that are struggling to learn the equipment and the industry? Let's reinforce a brotherhood mentality and help each other out. 
I'll also pose a challenge to, to other trucking companies. What value are you placing on the training of your drivers? Are new drivers receiving the training that they need to be successful in this industry? Or are you just trying to fill as many seats as you can without regard to driver's readiness or ability to operate a rig safely and responsibly? We all know about the heavily reported driver shortage, but how many drivers have entered this industry and left because they weren't adequately trained and prepared for success? Worse yet, how many drivers have ended up like Jaskarat Singh Sadhu. Now, there's a good chance you've heard Sadhu's story. April 6, 2018, an inexperienced, unprepared driver took to the roads in Saskatchewan in a B-train configuration. He was headed westbound with a tarped load of peat moss. At the same time, a bus carrying uh, the Humboldt Broncos Junior Hockey League team uh, The bus was headed northbound on Highway 35, a road that would eventually intersect with the side road that Sadu was traveling. Now, the interesting thing here is that that just 15 minutes before that fateful moment, Sadu had stopped to, to adjust his tarps, but he spent the next several miles looking in the rearview mirror looking back at his load, worried about how the the, the tarps billowing in the wind would affect other drivers. The unfortunate irony here is that he truly did seem to have a concern for the safety of the other drivers and people around him, but he became so consumed with this one thing that honestly, with proper training, should have never even been an issue to begin with. He became so consumed with it that he became oblivious to the warning signs numerous warning signs and in the final oversized lit stop sign that he barreled straight through the intersection and in front of the hockey team's bus. That moment saw a bus full of young people with otherwise bright futures plow right into the side of the lead trailer of that B train. The driver of the bus saw the truck soon enough to apply brakes and and did cause the tires to skid, but it it wasn't soon enough. The bus knocked the truck nearly 90 degrees off course, scattering bales of the peat moss just all over across an open field there. And the front of the bus was demolished. The roof was ripped off. The vehicle spun 180 degrees by the force of the collision. It was just an awful tragedy. The result was the loss of 16 lives. There was 13 significant injuries. And of course, there's just countless lives knocked off course as a result of this. But not the least of those lives knocked off course uh, actually includes Jaskarat Singh Sidhu. Though Sidhu walked away from this horrific accident uninjured, he will carry the weight and responsibility of what happened that day the rest of his life. He will forever relive the sounds of someone's children screaming and crying. And he will always have the apocalyptic sight of the aftermath that will undoubtedly haunt him. Now, I I don't want to minimize what the victims and their families have experienced and how this one day changed their lives forever too. But I want to talk about what led up to this moment. How could this tragedy have been avoided? I recently read through an article in Heavy Duty Trucking by Jim Park. Park's article was actually the inspiration for sharing this story, and and mostly, I'm really just 
simply echoing his words and, and his challenge that he poses to the trucking industry. Now, in total, there were 29 victims directly involved in that crash, counting the 16 dead and the 13 injured. But, but Park submits that there was a 30th victim in this story. As tragic and life-altering as the crash was, Sadu himself is the other tragedy. You see, as I, I, as I stated earlier, Sadu was legitimately concerned about the safety of drivers around him. There was no evidence of outright negligence, and, and he wasn't impaired by drugs or alcohol. Uh, he wasn't even distracted by a cell phone or other electronic device. By all accounts, he was trying to do a good job, and his intents were even good. But clearly, that wasn't good enough. During Sadu's hearing in January, it was reported that his logbook and vehicle inspection reports, that in three weeks, his logbook and inspection reports contained 70 errors. Now, to clarify, officials do call them violations, but the reason Park refers to them as errors is because they are mostly technical violations in, in nature. They were errors like failing to indicate the time and place of a duty status change, failing to note the location of the start of the day, failing to complete the reports, or pre-signing the log before the shift had begun, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And as Park states, these are not the sort of violations that you would see from someone trying to beat the system. It appears that he simply had no idea what he was doing. Uh, and that's, that's a tragedy in and of itself. Now, there hasn't been much reported on Sadu's driving background, except that he took a week-long truck driving training course in August of 2017. He was tested, he passed, and he was granted his CDL. Uh, but then he left Canada to go back to India, where he was originally from, uh, to, to get married. But then he returned to Canada the following March in 2018. He hired onto a company uh, where he drove for three weeks, just three weeks before this crash. He reportedly trained for two weeks with another driver, uh, but then was released on his third week to be out on his own. That was his first week ever alone. So I, I think it's more than fair to question the judgment to allow Mr. Sadu to go solo, but even more so, if you remember, uh, he was hauling a B-train combination. So the idea of giving him the responsibility to haul a 140,000-pound B-train combination with only three weeks of experience is kind of mind-boggling. And I can only imagine that this sort of practice happens throughout the industry and, and definitely is not exclusive to, to Canada. Sadu's story exposes a worst-case scenario as a result of poor training and inexperience. But how many drivers have almost made Sadu's story their own. We've all seen firsthand the results of inexperience and lack of training. Most of the time, the casualties are minimal, you know, only involving paint scrapes, bent fairings, time out of service, or even being the feature of the latest viral truck video on social media. These are all relatively insignificant. But too many times, inexperience and the lack of good training results in bodily injury, or worse, results in loss of life. As drivers, as companies, as trucking professionals and human beings, we absolutely cannot afford to take proper training and development lightly. It must be a top priority to ensure the well-being and safety of drivers in the motoring public. I'm issuing a challenge to drivers of all experience levels. 
veterans. Help young drivers. Your experience is invaluable, and you need to share your knowledge, your successes, and your failures. Help other drivers avoid the same mistakes that you've made. But even past that, don't ever stop learning and receiving instruction. I don't care if you've been driving for 40 years. There is always improvement to be made. You might even pick something up from one of those young drivers. You never know. Be open to receiving instruction and continuing to learn. To the young drivers, and, and I mean young to driving, regardless if you're 23 or, or 52 years old, seek out experienced drivers. Find a mentor. Soak up as much knowledge as you possibly can. Don't be a stranger to your company's safety and training department. Don't view them as the enemy. Utilize them. Use all the tools at your disposal to develop and hone your skills. If your company gives you a line of sight to the data about your driving habits, eat it up. There is so much you can learn to tweak your habits to be an even safer driver and more aware driver. Never be afraid to ask questions. If someone makes you feel stupid for asking a question, shame on them. Ask someone else. Don't ever let yourself be pressured into doing something you don't feel prepared for. Recognize when you would benefit from additional assistance, and it's okay to let your rookie flag fly. Have a difficult backing situation? Take your time. If there's another driver around or a dock worker, ask for help. Use a spotter. You should always know where your truck is going, so don't take unnecessary risks. To all drivers, help each other. Build each other up. Be willing to teach and learn. We're all in this together. And old guys, you won't be doing this forever. Someone else has to take your place. Make sure they're ready to fill your shoes. And to all trucking companies, give your drivers the tools they need to be successful. And define what success looks like. If it doesn't include some form of the word safe in there, you need to go back and redefine success. It's not good enough to just get product from point A to point B. Let's all work together to improve the image of our industry. Together, we can make trucking a shining example of professionalism, dignity, and the value for human life. Speak kindly with each other and those you interact with throughout your day. Represent yourself and your company with pride and a sense of purpose. Remember, we're all in this together. been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. Nussbaum is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on Nussbaum's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, go to Nussbaum.com or NussbaumJobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. New episodes arrive every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. 
Then go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, terminalexchange.org.